Undoubtedly, many people have experienced a certain level of hostility and angst while at work. In fact, if you haven't, you are in the minority. This is something that is always surprising, but uh, if you continue to work for a while, if you have not experienced it and you're new to the workforce, right, and uh, sooner or later, uh, that anxiety, hostility, and angst is going to catch up with you. It's not that I'm wishing this upon you, but it is a fact of life because we live in a sinful world. I recall one of the phrases that I presented to you from an author some time ago. It says that if you are in leadership, that you can expect sabotage. Well, similar sentiments can also be said of those who work day in and day out. And that is, if you have a job, then you should expect struggles and difficulties. And again, it's not that I'm wishing this upon you, but we know this is a fact of life because there's sinfulness all over the place. But we also must admit, however, that the difficulty that we experience is not always because of someone else. Sometimes uh, some of the difficulty that we experience on the job is because of us. Because we haven't done what we were supposed to do. Because we uh, shortchanged our employer somehow and somehow got caught. We didn't, we didn't sign in the way that we should have. Or, or we were too long at lunch or we didn't complete the project in time because uh, we were staring at the computer screen and next thing you know, we were checking our email. The next thing you know, we're on Amazon, you know, shopping, uh, whatever you do online. And then a whole hour go past and the next thing you realize, you have not completed your project. Your supervisor discovers this and then begins to get on your case. Some of us, this is very true. And we must not miss this. The fact of the matter is, in reality, that oftentimes it is because of someone else. Someone who doesn't like you. Someone who wants your job. Someone who's jealous because you're getting paid more than them and they can't figure out why. Uh, so they try to be a wrench in the cogwheel uh, to stop you and to get you all tripped up. But for many of us, our jobs are wonderful places, wonderful places to work. Then there are moments which it can be a total horror. There's the loss of a job, especially if you're living paycheck Paycheck is more than just losing a job, uh, but it also means that you may not be able to make the payment on your car or put food on a table, fix a leaky roof, roof. All of these things, they have a tendency to snowball and compound on us. So when we think of the struggles on the job, oftentimes it's because we are just trying to keep uh, meeting all of our ends, making sure that they get... So how do we work while in a hostile environment? How do we maintain our effectiveness and faithfulness on the job? But another question also comes to mind. Sometimes we ask, especially if you are faithful, if you belong to Christ, uh, you may ask yourself the question, is it work, is it a job, or is it ministry, or is it both? These are challenging for us to consider 
as we wade through the waters of our, our work and how it impacts others and our testimony of Jesus Christ. Today we will work through a message about Daniel and his friends and how they dealt with the challenges of others on the job. And we will also see what they did to maintain their faithfulness to the Lord in the process. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Sometimes the demands of work may invite you to compromise what you know to be right. Sometimes the demands of work may invite you to compromise what you know to be right. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Says here, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food and with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age. So you would endanger my head with the king. You know, our faith continues to be about choices. Being taken captive from Israel, Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and you may remember them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? But Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these young folks were faced with as slaves the possibility of compromising their faith due to the demands of people who had no relationship with the Lord. So I want you to notice a couple of things here. First, these Jewish men were supposed to have taken food and drink just like everyone else. So they were offered, you know, the uh, pork skins, right? Uh, they were offered uh, all the other stuff that was there, the, uh, the wine that was not kosher. Remember that these Babylonians, that uh, they could be crude and wicked to the core, because they had conquered huge swatches of lands and nations uh, in, uh, towards getting to Israel. So they had basically beat up a lot of nations on the way to Israel. But also know that there were other individuals. It wasn't just Daniel and uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It wasn't just them. There were other folks that I'm sure that they were captured. We'll see this in a second, Right? In fact, if we look at uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says here, Then the king commanded Asphanas, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, 
of good appearance and skillful and all wisdom endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. You see, what the king was after, he was looking to brainwash people that would be ambassadors of the Babylonian culture. He wanted folks that uh, he could take, I believe the period is over three years, that they would mentor them, teach them the language, understand their customs, their cultures, their society, uh, through and through, uh, that at the end of the process, that they would be just like the rest of the Babylonians. This king, he wanted people, regardless of where they came from, whether we're talking about from, from Israel or whether we're talking about from Syria, he wanted uh, people who would represent the kingdom of Babylon well. And you know, as believers, we are also commissioned to promote God's kingdom value at the same time. So how do we manage, if you can imagine yourself being hired for a job, here you are, have been hired to represent your company. You have been hired to say the things and accept the values and the mission statement of that corporation. You are an ambassador of the company that you represent. The things that you say people believe this is what the company is about. How can you rightfully do that knowing that at the core that you're supposed to represent the kingdom of God? You see, this was the predicament that Daniel and his friends were in. And again, in verse 6 there in Daniel 1, uh, we know that uh, there were other people because it says here, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? It says, among these, in other words, there were many other people. Now, this is not unlike some of you who are asked to do things that may compromise your testimony in Christ while you are at work or at school. Our passage says that, that they would not, that Daniel would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. In other words, uh, as a Jew, as a true uh, person who belongs to the nation of Israel, there were certain things that you would not eat. In other nations, uh, the bottom line, they had no problem. In fact, if you are a Jew today and you really believe in the religious leanings there, you also have dietary restrictions at the same time. Not eating cheeseburgers, as an example, or if you like shrimp, or if you like bacon, things of that nature. You wonder, what's the big deal with cheeseburger, right? They eat cheese, right? And then they eat, uh, they, they eat beef, right? So what's the problem with cheeseburger? Well, the problem with the cheeseburger is that you're taking the milk that was intended for uh, the baby cow and you're putting uh, the milk for the baby cow on top of the dead animal. So therefore, that becomes... So therefore, thinking of these things, Daniel, he's asking himself the question, should I eat this? Because as he looks around... Everyone else 
that has been selected for this uh, uh, very prestigious uh, uh, position, everyone else is eating. In fact, look like they're having a good time. In fact, he's looking at them, and, and it appears as if uh, this was the best meal they've ever had in their life. But Daniel looks at that and says, I can't do it. So even though we ourselves that we may have a right before the Lord to speak with boldness, right? When we are offered to do things that we have no business doing, that we have a right, just like Daniel, to speak with boldness to those who are over us, our managers, our supervisors, our bosses. That this does not always come across the right way. You see, the one thing about Daniel that we find out as we read through this passage, it says here, again, verse 8, but Daniel resolved, so he had made it up in his mind already that he was not going to do what? Wasn't going to eat it. So he didn't wait for the opportunity to get there. He had decided ahead of time that he was not going to do it. This is pretty awesome. Right, so he had resolved uh, that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Therefore, he did what? It says he did what? He asked. So in other words, they decided to ask permission not to defile themselves. And this is a little different uh, from how some of us respond in our workplace, isn't it? Because uh, sometimes when our boss or manager, supervisor, or teacher, whoever tells us to do some things we have no business doing, you know how some of us may act. I'm not doing one thing uh, because I just don't like it. And who do you think you are? Right? See, instantly, uh, that sets uh, the situation up for conflict. You're already in trouble with what you're saying, but, but wait a minute. They're telling me to do some things I ain't got no business doing in the first place, so I'm going to stand up and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. But see, there's a problem there. Did you realize that you yourself, when you begin to uh, deal with the situation that way, you begin to violate a spiritual principle? So in the process of being obedient to God, you are violating another spiritual principle. Well, what is that? They're telling me to do something I have no business doing, and God says I should not do it. But God says we should also honor and respect those who are in authority over us. So therefore, that means even though you know, I know, you have no business compromising your faith, the way that you go to that boss, that teacher, or whoever it is who has authority over you, it means a lot to God. So God says that even when you have problems, he says you're still supposed to be what? Respectful. And you're supposed to honor them. The next thing you know, you have a grievance, you know, because you went at that person in authority against you in the wrong way. But you're like, you know, I waited all my life, and I earned this, and ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Okay, so when you get fired, we ain't going to pray for you at the church. Why? Because you violated a principle of God by not respecting and honoring authority. See, it goes hands in hand, hand in hand. 
A student, it goes the same way with teachers. I, I understand all of this. I understand it all. Right? My kids went through a whole lot from, from evolution to just all types of craziness, right? And even I had to go in and respect the teachers, even when they were crazy. I had to honor them. Even though sometimes, you know how you feel deep down on the inside, you're like boiling like a pot of water and you're shaking. You're like, man, I got to get it out of me. I got to deal with this like right now. Uh, let me get it off my mind. But God says, hold up. Wait a minute. Are you willing to violate my spiritual principle just so you can walk right in another area? And then next thing you know, your very testimony has already been compromised. Fascinating, is it? So here, if you do not approach those who are in authority with the right attitudes, with the right behavior, then you violate a grand principle of God. So Daniel, he did what? He decided to ask. You know, is it, is it okay? You know, Mr. Slave Overseer over me being a slave, is it okay? I know that you can tell me what to do, but I'm, you know, I'm just letting you know what's on my mind right now. You know, you the man. You the man. I don't want your job. In fact, I don't even want to be here. I'd rather be in my own nation, but I'm here. You're there. I'm not trying to cross any boundaries. You know, one person that I've seen do this, like, wonderfully is my wife. I've, I've, you know, I haven't seen her do it. I can say the stories that I've heard. And sometimes it's just really, it's really fascinating how she's able to do that. And, and I think of myself, especially uh, if you're a man, you have a special problem. Can you say amen? Uh, because, you know, ain't nobody going to talk to me that way, right? First thing you say, ain't nobody, nobody's going to talk to me that way. I'm going to go ahead and go straight for the jugular, right? And then you fight. Well, I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I, I have no idea because, again, the spiritual principle has been violated. So are you willing to submit yourself to God? To do and to say those things that are right. But next we also see within this passage that one of the reasons that, that Daniel was in the circumstance that he was in because his faith was being tested. What? You mean to tell me that, that Daniel, not only was he captured, uh, but now he's in this situation as to eat some food, that his faith is being tested? Again, this is one of those things we'd rather not deal with. Because having the Lord involved at our work, especially in dealing with us, is something we would rather not face. In other words, you know, God, you stay on Sunday in that building. In fact, you even stay in the prayers that I pray, maybe on the, in the morning. But when I get to church, God, I need for you uh, just to, I mean, when I get to work, I need for you to stay at church for a moment until I'm done. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this, he says, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, in glory, in honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, Peter is saying that even though uh, these individuals, that they may be grieved by various trials for a period of time, that at the end of the day, uh, them being tested in the genuineness of their faith, that it's going to end up praising, glorifying, and honoring God. You know, all of our trials, they're not the same. All of us have not gone through the same things. You know, face it that you and I, we will have to fight the flesh. We want to fight that person on the job who's coming after us. Or that person who's saying the thing that we uh, don't want to hear. Look at what Peter says. Peter says that the test of Daniel was also put into place to discover whether or not if he had genuine faith. Why? God was sending Daniel through a test because ultimately Daniel would have bigger tests down the line. So if you're wondering, well, I really want, I really want God to increase my faith. I notice that I'm a little bit weak here in my area of faith. Then start having faith in smaller things. For Daniel, it, started with, it just started with food, right? But we know down the line for Daniel that uh, another test came because he had to face lions. How are you going to face lions if you can't even have faith in God uh, just for the next meal that you have? And you're saying, well, God, I need for you to increase my faith. Uh, I need to do things big for you. Okay, if you want to do things big for God, start by doing things that are small for God. Because every time that you are faithful in God, he begins to ratchet it up another level. And then who knows that someone may be talking about you and your faith one day. But Paul, he says uh, this in another way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. I want you to get this, right? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 19. Uh, Paul says this, For there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. In other words, he says, within the church, there are divisions or separations that occur either because of some disagreement or over orthodoxy or what the word says, or in decisions to stand in faith, right? Uh, that may be true, uh, right? That one is going this way, another is going the other way. Uh, but Paul says the bottom line is that those who are genuine in faith, when you stand strong, that you will be determined to be different from everyone else. What do you think genuineness means? It not only means the real thing, but to be genuine, it also means that you're different from all the fakes. Amen? The question, when you are at school, when you are on your job, are you different from the fakes? 
Are you different from all those people who call themselves Christians uh, maybe just to get a job? Are you different from all those other folks who don't call themselves Christians, who despise the things of Jesus Christ? Are you different from them? You see, uh, Paul says that uh, there, there must be factions among you, uh, those who say that, well, I just tried to keep, you know, religion and, and, uh, away from work, or I don't want to talk about religion in my family, so then when are you going to talk about it? You ain't going to talk about it at work. You're not going to talk about it with your family. Then how are they going to get saved then if you never talk about it? Well, I like to talk about what the strangers I see on the street. And then here you go, walking down the street, you see a stranger, and you keep on walking. So you don't talk about it at work. You don't talk about it with family, especially at family gatherings. You don't talk about the strangers on the street. Then where do you talk about Jesus Christ? How are you really different? So faith is strongest when it is related to every facet of life. Now, Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. Daniel 1, verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Uh, one thing I want you to notice here, at the very beginning of the passage here, as for these four youths, look at this. Do you realize that Daniel and his friends, do you realize they were teenagers? If you can imagine, maybe between the ages of 16, 17 and a half, and maybe 18 years old. They were young. They weren't uh, these old folks that had, uh, uh, like us old folks who've been in church you know, all their life. They were young. Now imagine if you will, right, typically we know that we see the young folks uh, in the body of Christ and we, we tell them, you need to follow us, you need to look and see how we live. But here is an example where teenagers set the trend. 16, 17-year-old. So if you say, well, I can't never be anything in the church because I need to get a little older. No, age has nothing to do with it. What has to do with it is relationship to God and maturity in the Lord as well. That is not dependent upon time and solely dependent upon God's grace and mercy in your life as you dedicate yourself totally and wholly to Him. So if you are in high school, Maybe you should be one of the people preaching. Maybe God is calling you. There is no age restriction. God's calling is without repentance. But the other thing I want you to see here in Daniel 1.17 is that these individuals, that they not only had spiritual giftings, but they were also excellent in their work. Somehow, uh, they had the ability to balance out what it means to be a follower of the Lord uh, with working as unto the Lord at the same time. So they were working hard. So for them, this three years, is like they were in school. Right? 
So they were working hard, they were doing things well, uh, but they also were totally dedicated to the Lord. Again, our problem is that oftentimes there is a separation between our work and our faith. We like to keep a church over here and like to keep work or school over here and never do do the two ever meet because we think if they meet, then now I'm going to be in trouble because my testimony is going to be compromised. If I came to your school, if I showed up on your job, And you introduce me to your friends. And I'm like, and I tell your friends, I say, you know what? This right here is one of the best Christians of our church. What would your coworkers say about that? Would they say, you know what? They, he really is a great guy, or she's a, a wonderful woman of God. We believe that. Would they say, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> what would they really say? If I showed up on your, as a matter of fact, Consider this, if it's possible, right? That we're going to have, uh, invite your pastor to work day. I'm serious. And I want you to invite me to your job. If, if I can, it has to be worked out right now, so I may have to disinvite myself to your job, depending upon what it is. I want you to invite me to your job. Invite me if it's possible, right? And I want to come. I've already been to a couple of our, our elders' job already, so I want you to know that. Uh, but I want you to invite me. And I want to see what you do. Because I honor you, and I honor the work that you do for God and how you help other people. It may not be possible, depending on the nature of your, your work, and that's okay too. I promise I will not be mad or sad, either way it goes. But invite me. Will you invite me or not invite me because of the testimony of your coworkers? Are you thinking about what they think about you first before you invite me? Or you, or you, need, to, you need to prep them before I come? Well, look, my pastor's coming, so I need for you all to act right. Yeah, I need for you all, look, I know we've had our differences, but I want you to know, just forgive me. Right? Please forgive me. I'm sorry, you know, I, you know, some things, but you forgive me. Everything okay? I love you. Can I get you something? Right? Can I buy you lunch or something like that? My pastor's coming tomorrow. No, me apologizing to you has nothing to do with that, but I'm just saying, you know, you know I love the Lord. I'm trying to get it right. That's all I'm trying to say. Right? What will they say about you? What is your testimony on the job? So when we begin to uh, spot out that philosophy of keeping religion separate from our work, uh, we uh, diminish the power that we have in the Lord. Now, this does not necessarily mean that we should talk about Jesus at all times on our jobs. Amen? You know, some people, they, uh, they are hired to do one job, and, and all they want to do is talk about Jesus. Well, we know deep down inside that's good, isn't it? They just want to talk about Jesus all the time, right? But when they fire you for talking about Jesus all the time, don't be mad at them and don't be mad at Jesus. Be mad at yourself for not operating in wisdom. These young men, these teenagers, were operating in knowledge and wisdom to understand these things. 
They knew how to interact with their slave supervisor. But getting back to our point, we discovered that they were not only strong in their faith, but they were also strong in their work ethic. So faithfulness to the Lord and faithfulness to excellence at work, it also caused them to be recognized by others. Daniel 1, 18 through 20. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. In other words, they had it going on. They were ten times better than anyone else because of the excellence they displayed in all matters, in all matters. They were able to stand before the leader of that nation to be examined by him. It's very interesting that Daniel and his friends, that they did not spend all uh, their time complaining about their situation. Remember, uh, the part of the compromise was for the fact that uh, Daniel told uh, Asphanaz that what we'll do is we're not going to eat that meat, we're not going to drink that drink, but I want you to give us water and we want you to give us uh, uh, mush or some vegetables or things like that. We'll eat that, right? And then we'll, we're going to be okay, right? So it's, it's not like they didn't do anything, but the bottom line is that they didn't complain of it. They didn't complain, said, my life was so better in Israel. At least we don't have record of it anyway. But what we do see is that they did the work. Oh, how we complain about our work. My job is this. My job is that. They don't like me. They're giving me too much, more so than the other people. Person, uh, not realizing that we are there as a testimony. Now, it may be true. It may be true. However, we must look at things for what they are and how God has supernaturally placed us in that environment. You are there for purpose. And people will start saying, you know what? There's no one else like this person on my job. No one else like them. In fact, in Proverbs 22, 29, uh, Solomon says the same thing. Again, that's Proverbs 22, verse 29. And he said this hundreds of years, this was said hundreds of years before Daniel was even born. What does it say? Do you see a man skillful in his work? He or she will stand before kings he will not stand before obscure men. In other words, you keep working hard on your job. That God is going to put you in the place uh, that, uh, that you're going to wonder, why am I here? And no one else that I know is here. That's because God is honoring you. He has anointed you for that particular assignment. So if, your work, if you work hard as the Lord as unto the Lord, 
then you will get rewarded for your efforts. Well, it may not necessarily mean that you're going to stand before the President of the United States. Some of you may say, Amen. But what it does mean is that people will recognize you. You may not stand before the governor or the mayor or your alderman or any folks like that of, of, of title. But others will recognize you, and for God, this is extremely important. You see, your employers, they don't want lazy folks. Your employers don't want lazy people. They want people who are going to get the job done, show up on time, and do all that they're supposed to do, and be honest for the most part. He said, but I got some boss there as crooked as crooked can be. Well, you continue to be like Daniel, right? And even though they may be crooked, you yourself be what? You be faithful. But your employers, they want people that have their heads on straight. And sometimes you will have to make a sacrifice on your job as well. Amen? So finally, doing nothing until an opportunity shows up may mean that you are unprepared when it finally arrives. If you do nothing until an opportunity shows up, that this may mean that when an opportunity shows up, that you are unprepared and miss what God has for you. Look at this. We're going to go back for a second here. Again, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I already read some of this. Then the king commanded Asphanas his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, verse 4, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand before, uh, in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. You see what it's saying here? Daniel and his friends were already smart. You see that? They were looking for youths without blemish of good appearance, skillful in wisdom. They already had wisdom. Well, where in the world did these teenagers get adult wisdom at the age of 16 and 17 years old? Well, where do you get it from? You get it from God. Because Scripture says what? That the fear of the Lord is what? It's the beginning of wisdom. So when you reverence God, when you fear God, then you get wisdom. So what does this say about these teenagers? That they really what? They really feared what? God. You got it. You want to get wisdom? Understand how to fear, reverence, and honor God, and God will give it to you. So they had these skills before they were even selected. So they were already in a position to be used by God as they were already skillful in the required areas of need. In other words, you, uh, you and I, we can't wait until someone offers us a great position to finally say, okay, uh, let me go now to school and learn what I need to know because uh, I want to get that job. You see, they're already looking for the next person. They've already passed you over. If you are not ready ahead of time, you will miss it because it will be too late. This means that uh, for all of us that we must continually look into the future. Don't get stuck in the here and now. 
Uh, for Daniel and his friends, they did not get stuck in the here and now. They kept learning. They kept fearing God. They kept worshiping the Lord. They kept learning. You see, uh, Scripture always tells us to consider this, to think about this, to know about God, uh, that we have to read and understand and make connections about God. God does not want lazy people who are lazy thinkers. Amen? So, never let it be said of you that you're weak in the mind. Never. Let it be said of you that you're strong in the mind because Christ has given you the faculties, the understanding, and the ability to learn and to grow in my learning so that I can represent the Lord well. But notice that the king, one of the things that he was not looking for, he was not looking for people who knew the Lord. He only looked for people who was skilled in those areas. So whether uh, or not he was looking for a person who knew the Lord, uh, we figured out that he does, uh, did not uh, look for that. That's what he got. So as he got these skillful people, he also received the Lord. And these teenagers, these teenagers would end up turning Babylon upside down. These four teenagers would end up turning Babylon up. A 16-year-old? A 17-year-old? How is that possible? What is it? How is that possible with you? You already have much wisdom, some of you, because you're well beyond 16 or 17 years old. Some of you, like me, uh, past 16, 17 years old by about five years, right? Right? But the idea, the idea is that you already have much. So can God use you to turn this world upside down? So God says, never stop. Don't get lazy that you are where you are because God has placed you there. He has gifted you the way that you are gifted because uh, he wants to use you in a special way. So whereas uh, you may experience hostility on your job, know that God has placed you there. Somebody on their job needs Jesus. And for some of those folks on their job, you are the only Jesus that they will ever see or be introduced to. So you must be there. Yes, I know that sometimes it's hard. And I know that some of you probably, even right now, you probably want to quit right now. Right now, you want to quit. But God says, if you quit now, then I'm not going to give you another job because you're not done. You're not done yet. He says, it's only over when I say it's over. So for all of us, we need to walk strongly in that purpose and in the confidence of knowing where you are placed, God placed you there. Where you are, God placed you there for a season. It may only be for another month or maybe for another 20 years. You say, oh God, no, but 
Oh God, yes! If this means that if one person end up not going to hell in year 20 on your, God, on your job, wouldn't that be better than you quitting today? Wouldn't that be worth it? I say yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. So in the midst of all the hostility and the angst that you may experience on your job, know that God, He put you there, and you have a responsibility, and you have to influence folks all around you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we want to thank you so much for your word. And Lord God, we come to you because uh, in this place, various people with various types of experiences. Some of us struggle intensely. Others are resisted, maybe as leaders on the job. Others are being blamed for things that they have not done. And then there are some in here that just came out of it, Lord God, and, and they just want to just exalt the name of Jesus Christ. For them we say thank you, Lord God. Uh, Father, uh, for those who may have some semblance of struggle, Lord God, we pray that you would have your hand upon them. That they would be like Daniel. His three friends, Lord God. who had wisdom at an early age. And it's evident to us all because they feared you first and foremost. Help us to fear you properly in reverence. Help us to honor you, Lord. Father, we want to say again that we love you so much and we thank you for what you're doing in our life. And Lord God, we want to say that we also hear you we hear your word, Lord God. You're talking to us. You've talked, you've spoken to us about various aspects, Lord God. Help us to grow stronger in our faith and to be a testimony of Jesus Christ. Is there anyone in here today that does not know Christ and you would like a relationship? So Father, again, uh, we just bless you. We thank you, Lord God, as we Hear these words, Lord God, that encourage us, straighten us out, Lord. We know that there is none like you. Father, again, as we have done in the past, Lord God, we just want to bless calling out.